Welcome. You are listening to a special episode of TLR's podcast. In this series, we are talking to the reviewers who brought you TLR's 55 most reread books. Each episode breaks down the list into specific favorites for that reviewer. You can find more reviews and best of lists on thelesbianreview.com. And today I'm joined by the fantastic author slash reviewer, Kelly Ayton. Let's get cracking. What is your first uh, book? So, everything sorted by tropes that I love. Prodigy celebrity music, those three tropes I do love together. And Making a Comeback by Julie Blair, which is about a jazz pianist who is recovering from her wife's death and she stopped making music and she's expected to um, perform at this uh, prestigious festival. And she accidentally meets uh, this woman, this Jack Winters, who is, you know, uh, retired, but she doesn't know that Jack Winters was actually a prodigy musician. She just knows that, you know, she's helping her listen to her stuff and put together this, this album that she's supposed to release. And she finds out later that uh, this this blind woman, this Jack Winters, is actually a uh, an amazing, I think, trumpeter. So they kind of get to know each other and help each other through their past grief and loss. Um, but I do really love a good music novel. So I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Uh, it's again, you you have your favorite tropes, and much like Tara and her, you know, Ice Queen. I know we I share a couple of similar tropes with Tara, like uh, like the music, like celebrity, like fomance, but uh, I'm not an ice queen person. But this is the music one just happens to be one of my tropes and prodigy. So nice. And um, is this the only book from Julie Blair that you've read? I think so. Um, so it's very much a case of like just the the narrative spoke to you. I think so. Yeah. You know, I've read other books that I absolutely adored by an author. I'm talking five stars. And and then I go back and I read maybe another book by the same author. And maybe it's a different, uh, maybe it's a different genre. There's just something about it that maybe I, I can't get into it as well. And it's by the same author. So you figure that, you know, wow, you know, I really love this other book they wrote. But, you know, this, this, Second one that I tried by them thinking, oh, this is a great author. Um, I just, you can't get into it. And I think that's true about a lot of things because I know as an author that a lot of authors will write different genres, different types of stories, and you cannot like every single story. I mean, if you do, I'm bravo to you, but <laughs> I mean, personally, I can't like every single story. So, but yeah, I, I you, know, you know what? I didn't. I, I did read another book by Julie Blair. And where making a comeback was like absolutely loved it, a full five stars. Uh, this other book that I read was not at all. So uh, you're right, it just didn't speak to me. I'm not going to name it. So that's good. That's sure it's a lovely book. It's fun. <laughs> okay. So, but you've got a couple of others in this particular trope. Uh, I have others that are touching it. Yes. So <laughs> celebrity music part. Um, I had the rise and fall of Radiation Canary. And this is by John Cannon. I now know how to pronounce his name correctly. Um, John Cannon is a very um, diverse author as well. Uh, I happen to like a lot of his books. It's once in a while I get one that's maybe too dark, but it's just a really interesting world. And I would say John Cannon is one of the people as an author I decided that I wanted to be like because I like a diverse group of novels so that's kind of what I wanted to do and I'm like well look if this person can do it and this person can do it and there's other authors too then I should be able to write essentially whatever I want because I like to read more than just one thing so but this Rise and Fall of Radiation Canary is one that I've reread a lot as well as its sequel it does have the celebrity uh, it's got romance it's got music and there's a lot of drama in it, and it's written a little bit different. But overall, I would say I've reread it mm, probably at least half a dozen times. Because there's just a feeling I get. It's a nice wrap-up at the end. It doesn't leave you wanting a second book, but it leaves you happy when a second book arrived. You know? I don't know another way to explain it. Okay. What's that about? That is about 
this, I guess a little band that it kind of, it's the main characters jump. I mean, it's in third person, but sometimes first person. It's one of those that's strangely written, I know, and not everybody is, is all about that. But it, it follows this Karen Everett who plays the cello. She writes poetry. And she, every day she goes by and she hears this band practicing in this little space. One day she's writing poetry. She actually leaves her, her notebook behind. And somebody else finds it and they love her poetry. And it's one of the band members. And the problem with the band is that they can write music. They write great music, but they don't have any lyrics. So they find this, this woman that left her note poetry book behind and they convince her to join the band. So she brings this whole new sound plus lyrics and just the combination of everything. This band gets more and more popular locally until they hit the national scene and they become a huge band. And what I like, not just this specific book, but in John Cannon's world, he ties his books together. So you see references to this band in other books in this contemporary world. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's a new one by Radiation Canary. So I really, I don't know why, but I've always kind of enjoyed when authors will tie their, their worlds or their books together in some way. Again, uh, it's Cafeteria Plan. I picked this thing to do as, as my own person as a writer. Um, but I love the fact that, that John Cannon did this. But the, the story is really sweet. There is love. It's not how you expect it to turn out. There's drama, of course, because it's a celebrity music band story. But it kind of shows this, this band rising to superstardom and then slowly coming back down and pursuing their own thing. Uh, and it was just, it was a full story. It was a full wrap-up. But of course, like any band that you love in real life, you're like, when's the reunion? You know, like... Let's have a reunion tour. So you kind of get that with this book and then with the second one. I don't know. I just, I, I love, I love music. I love descriptions of music. Uh, I, I've always loved watching live music, especially small, like acoustic sets. So I had a lot of friends uh, before I moved where I am in the acoustic music scene, um, this, you know, coffee shops and, and bars and stuff like that. So it's just something I appreciate. I appreciate, I'm not a musician. I appreciate musicians and what they do, and how they do it, and how creative they are, and how much it touches me personally. I think moving on to the next one, also celebrity. Uh, there's a theme, yes, I do like celebrity, and I don't know why I like celebrity. It's not like I care one whit for Hollywood. Uh, I barely watch any movies, but I like celebrity romance. So it's a whole different type of pressure on the, rom ro the romance itself when you're a celebrity. So... Uh, and playing the role of herself by K.E. Lane, which is just one of my all-time favorites. It's such, it's such a well-written, uh, emotional, <laughs> there are so many things. And the book is older now, actually, but it's about an actress um, who starts, she's sort of a newer actress, and she gets, she becomes, she gets her own show. And they bring in like a guest star from another hit show. And it's like, you know, a, a cop drama, medical drama, whatever, lawyer, stuff like that, right? And you see it a lot in, in real TV where you have a star of one show, guest star in another show. Well, that's what these what happens with these two. And there's immediately some sort of connection between them. Um, they're neither one is out. And, but they see this, this attraction. The one is supposedly... Um, with this handsome actor, you know, they live together, practically live together. So everybody assumes a lot of stuff about the actresses and, and their world, but they're on this show and they're already fighting this attraction. Um, and then all of a sudden that someone gets a bright idea to, Hey, we should like be edgy and write a romance between these two characters. And they're like, Oh shit. Right. Cause you know, you're already trying to hide how you feel and now you have to display it in front of everybody, but it, it kind of gives the one uh, courage to say, I don't want to live in the shadows anymore. I want to be who I am. And, and it, and it does, it's rocky at first, but you know, just like famous celebrity stuff, it does eventually for them lead to different things and maybe better things for them so they can be themselves. I don't know. It's just, it has a good ending. And you know, I love, I love the HEA. It just ticks all the boxes for just a, a solid celebrity romance uh, with a happily ever after. 
and maybe you throw in a little um, closeted for some people they like that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the drama. It was a little bit of a drawback, but but the drama was well done. It fit the narrative and it still worked out in the end. That was just made into an audiobook. Um, I think it was last year or the year before, like very recently, narrated by Lisa Cordelian, who is one of my main voice crushes. I I have heard you mention that once or twice before. <laughs> Sadly, I don't listen to audio. I don't. It's just not. I read way faster than audio would go. But I can see the appeal for people that are on the road a lot, traveling a lot, driving a lot. Maybe it's just easier to listen. Especially if driving specifically, it's hard to read a book and drive. So <laughs> audio would be the way to go. Audio would have be you, the way to go there. Have you tried driving and reading a book? Because you sound like you've experienced this. <laughs> I've read a book doing a lot of things. Uh, I used to walk to class years ago and I would read my book all the way to class. Like I would just head in the book. I would stop at the crosswalks and then go. Like <laughs> I ha- I ha- not, not driving though, because... I'm one of those like hyper vigilant drivers. Other other drivers annoy me. I watch people putting on makeup. I've seen somebody eating cereal on the expressway. Yes, I noticed them because they were coming into my lane. <laughs> so that's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, what's next? All right, next. Also celebrity, but now we're celebrity fomance. And I'm gonna say that I love fomance. I don't know why. I don't know why. A fake romance. I have no idea why I love that so much, um, but I found two books that I have read and reread. Uh, one I forgot to put on the 55 list, but um, I have reread it and I absolutely adore it. But for Celebrity Fomance, my first one that I read and it ticked both of those boxes that I love was In Development by Rachel Spangler. I may have fangirled at her a little <laughs> bit um, in the 2018 GCLS where I first met her. But I got her last year. I actually took, I bought a book while I was at GCLS in the 2019, that book, and I begged her to sign it for me. So I do actually have that book signed by Rachel Spangler, the Rachel Spangler. That's amazing. So that was, that was exciting. Like, I don't know. That's one of the things I love about uh, Golden Crown Literary Society annual conference is that, you know, you get to meet fans if you're an author, but you also get to meet your favorite authors so that is a a huge boon you get to do your own fangirling completely awesome so in development as i said is a celebrity book and oh wait and it's music and it's a fomance uh again there's a little bit of drama in there um you know one of the drama the drama is because you know they're obviously somebody's always fighting against something like no this isn't what I want, but you know, it's really what they want. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, so in this book, you've got, uh, this, this, this woman, this young actress or whatever, she's not young anymore. Um, she kind of grew up playing like the girl next door types, you know, like think of a Disney actress that gets older and now she's playing rom-coms with the heartthrob, you know, that used to be the teenage heartthrob and she's ready to like branch out and she's ready to take on darker, edgier roles and she has a specific role that she really wants uh which is a movie adaption on a book written by somebody who she knows and she really wants this role she thinks that she would like she was meant to play this role and so she just happens to have an agent who is married to another agent who's the agent of a pop star and the pop star is always like in the news for her crazy and wild antics You know, she's always got her finger on like what's hot and what's not. And so they come up with this crazy wild haired scheme to what if we have you two pretend to be dating. Now, the pop stars never dated woman, but, you know, she's like known for doing whatever, you know, and and then it would kind of break uh, this uh, this actress, Kobe. Um, It would break her out of that like teenage girl next door, especially if they let the pop star Lila, um, I guess, uh, remake her. Uh, she has her own clothing line. Lila does. It's a little wild. It's a little edgy. So she is going to remake Kobe into this new person, like change her, change her dress so that she can like break free from that girl next door type that she never really felt like she fit 
Only she wouldn't be doing it on her own. Everybody's like, oh, she's going crazy. She's she's doing it because she's now dating this edgier person. So maybe they'll attribute it to that. The other person is in the news for her new romance that's, you know, maybe a little outside the usual for her. So it just, it works really well until, you know, of course, with fake romance, feelings develop on both sides. What's important here, though, is Kobe is um, out to her family and uh, not to the world, but to her family. And she also wants to come out. So that's also part of the whole thing. Yes. And Lila is not. And so that causes a bit of a drama. Well, like Lila, Lila doesn't even come out to herself at this point yet. Right. I think that's the key. It's not like she's not out to the world. And technically she's like fake outing herself to the world by dating this woman. But she's right. not, she, she doesn't want to fall in love because she sees falling in love as something that weak people do, people who aren't driven. Falling in love means you abandon people. But yes, so there's there's a whole lot of dynamics and stuff. And whereas you don't like the um, the drama, I love the drama, which is why it's also on my list. You know, <laughs> a, a lot of people, a lot of women love drama and women's fiction. And I've never been really big on drama, but I don't like... I don't like arguments. I don't like yelling. I don't like a lot of drama. I'm just, you know, I'm fairly simple. Like, I like it. It's like a little bit of spice in my food. I don't want it super hot because then it's uncomfortable. But a little bit of spice is enough to just kick it up. So that's why some books with a little bit of drama really work for me. But too much drama and sometimes I just kind of nope it, you know? Yeah, for me, it's like I can't have nasty drama. So if people are just being nasty yes. to each other for the sake of it, I just nope out of that really fast. I like, agree. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> I I, comp- I agree with that. Uh, nasty drama, or you can you can sense when the author like artificially inserts drama. To me, that is the worst. You are just making that up to either uh, pad the book or because you need something to like if if you if you read along in a book. And you have this drama and it's like, you know, this drama stems from a decision that the characters made that was actually out of character. That's when you see that the drama was artificially inserted. If the drama is inserted and it 100 fits with what has been building all the way until that point, that makes sense. Yeah, completely agree with that. Here's an interesting side note before we move on. I did In Development by Rachel Spangler is one of the book club reads, so I had Spangler come on and talk to us, answer questions and stuff. One of the things she answered was her inspiration for the Lila character was Taylor Swift. So I thought that was kind of cool. Lila Wilder, the yeah. pop star? You know, I, I do remember that. I think I heard you say that. I think I, I heard, sometimes I listen to podcasts, usually just TLR, usually. Again, I'm not, I'm not, much, I'm not much of a listener. Like most of my time is spent uh, listening to like music or uh, NPR, National Public Radio, in my car. Um, but sometimes uh, the public radio gets a little too real and dark, and I need to escape, and I put my music back on. Um, but I do, I do find um, like TLR podcasts on Podbean, and I'll bring that up and listen to that sometimes when I'm driving, just as a change of pace. So, and I like hearing your voice, Sheena. Uh, thanks, Kitty. It's, it's the accent. All right, next celebrity fomance. It's Breaking Character by Lee Winter, which, again, is is another actress fomance. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. We actually did an entire podcast where Tara and I talked to Lee Winter about this book because there's just, there's layers and layers. And I maintain there's an ice queen, Lee Winter. Uh, you think one of them is, yeah, I guess I could see that a little bit. I could see the ice queen thing. I, I, I've read it. Just a couple times. So it's not, I guess, as widely reread as the other books on my list. The other stuff usually happens anywhere between four and 15 times. <laughs> it just depends. And lately, I haven't reread anything at all because I haven't read anything at all. And it makes me sad. So Breaking Character, again, it's another one of those uh, layered uh, celebrity fake romance but, you know, again, these, these actresses, they want, they need to do something to usually get a dream role. I think that's where you need a catalyst for change. So they, they have to do these things to provide the catalyst for change. And the fake romance is just what happens to be on the list, on the few that I have read. So somebody wants to get something. So 
they need to fake something else. But, you know, faking will either, I believe that in real life, a fake romance will either lead to you actually falling in love with that person you're faking with or irrevocably hating that person's guts. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting take on, on fomances because, in real life. Because, yeah, I mean, really, if you're, if you're forced to fake being with somebody, you're either going to see the draw of that person by the time you're done or you're going to see everything you want you didn't want to know about that person and just hate them. So maybe maybe it's maybe it's with women and women together in general. You know the old saying like uh, an ex you either they're either your best friend or you hate their guts. Right? I don't know if you've heard that, but it is it is it, it's a very common thing. Like, oh, it's my ex. We're best friends. Like, of course you are. Or that's my ex. I hate her, right? You know, so, but that's like, seriously, like real true, not, not books. That is a very common theme. You know, you either hate your ex and, or they're like your best friend, you know, you just see it a lot. It's funny. I don't know. It baffles me. But since this is lesbic and lesbic is all about, you know, the romanticized, it has to be that they fall madly in love with one another. Well, of course, because otherwise, what's the point? Like, Hey, we wrote this fake romance. They don't end up together. Well, what was the point of that? Like, they have to end up together. I think there would be riots in the streets. <laughs> Especially if Lee Winter or or Rachel Spangler did it. We're like, wait a minute. You can't do that to us. So, yes, you have to have that. Um, oh, man. Let's switch genres. Well, actually. Wait, wait. You need, oh, you oh, need to, to, to do the synopsis for Breaking Character. All right, so breaking character, you have um, oh, I guess it is Ice Queen because you have a like an icy British like A-list actress. She's uh, Elizabeth Thornton. She's like this this hospital drama villain, right? Everybody hates her on the show, and then like personally, they're not very fond of her either because she's just icy and super professional. So now like they bring in this like perky new co-star to play a role. And the people start like linking her, her, I don't know if it's like her character to this person. And she just doesn't want that because, you know, she wants like to get her dream movie role. And, uh, so the, the French filmmaker that's, you know, doing, he makes an offer to her, but he wants to meet her girlfriend who everybody assumes is her girlfriend, which is this, this woman. They have to like, I guess, pretend and now, uh, and the woman, the, the A-lister, uh, Elizabeth, she's really mean. Like, she's just rude to, to Summer. And Summer's like, why would I pretend with you when you hate me and you, you know, you're so angry that, you know, I'm sh you're shunning me because people are linking us to romantically together as lovers. And now you want me to pretend to be your girlfriend so you can get this movie role. Needless to say, she does it. That's the hook, right? That's the fake romance. And it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. You know, I'm not going to spoil it, but, you know, obviously they do this fake romance. And Elizabeth is doing it because she wants this movie role, but Summer's doing it for a completely different reason. So, mm. right? Wouldn't you say so? Oh, completely. And it's, oh, it's both heartbreaking and kind of inspiring. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you see a lot of celebrity romance where the two celebrities get together because they both want something for their career out of it. But I think in this case, what that it wasn't the case. And maybe that's why it was good. Be, one of the reasons it was, it was so good because it was just a little bit different from the typical celebrity romance. Yeah, actually that's a very good point. I agree. Thank you for spending your time with TLR. We rely on the support of listeners, patrons and advertisers. So please click on our links to buy Check out the show notes to find our Patreon link and support our advertisers. You are listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast. We bring you the best lesbian books, movies and music reviews on thelesbianreview.com. Alright, so moving down my list to continue the fomance, which, you know, I enjoy one of my favorite tropes. There's a book that I have reread many times, maybe because it is fomance and it is because it's in my preferred genre of science fiction. And that is Protector of the Realm by Gunbrook. 
So not only do you have those two, but I think you touch a little bit on, uh, I like characters that have something special. Um, some, something that makes them special in what they're doing above other people. So in this book, it's actually book one of a, of a series, the Supreme Constellation series. In Protector of the Realm, you have a woman named Kellen O'Dell who takes a small boy who's her charge and to prevent the boy from being stolen by a conquering bad guy, she runs and they're being chased and she ends up seeking asylum as uh, they were taken actually by a space station uh, in this Commodore Ray J salon. She's in charge of the space station and she's getting to the bottom of why this woman is running and who the boy is and why these other people want the boy. So once she discovers the background, she proposes a marriage between herself and Kellen O'Dell, who is a very, very dangerous, highly trained, uh, I guess, protector. Hence the name of the book, Protector of the Realm. So that's where the fake romance comes in. It's also, you know, they get to know each other. They almost, you know, they have to pretend to sort of be a family. But marrying the Commodore of the space station gives Kellen O'Dell a safety and they can't just uh, extricate her, you know, back to this other world along with the boy. So they have to bring in, you know, mediators uh, to help figure out what's what's going on with the situation. Um, it is very much a sci-fi action book, but it also has a ton of romance where this Kellen O'Dell kind of learns to trust other people. You know, when you're, when you're on your own, when your sole focus is protecting someone, you don't necessarily, you know, learn to trust other people. You just trust in yourself. I've read the book a lot. And each time it just gives you that, that happy, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good end. I've read some of the other books in the series as well, but none of them touched quite touched me quite the way this one did. It didn't leave with quite the same feeling. I know that I've heard Tara say that this was maybe a, um, I believe it is a, originally was a fanfic for one of the Star Trek uh, Voyager, maybe Janeway. I don't know. I didn't follow that, that series. So I guess I initially didn't see this as a um, fanfic base, but once she said that reading through it, yeah, it totally is. It's like you see a lot of books that have been converted from original or uber Xena fan fiction into books. And you see, you totally see the conversion because maybe they didn't do a whole lot to change the characters themselves. You can kind of see this in this one. So the Janeway, Janeway uh, is, is a seven of nine romance. Nice. It sounds cool. This has been recommended a lot. Uh, by a lot of the team and it it looks interesting but the cover is so terrible that I've just never <laughs> I've I forgot that you were such a cover snob <laughs> I am though and, I know and it's just it's such a bad cover that I've never actually you know picked it up <laughs> you know um I'm not a fan of the cover I I completely agree with you but there have been a couple of books that I have read and I adored the story and the covers were just atrocious. Uh, there's a fantasy story where it has a cover of somebody in like a red uniform on the front. And it's just awful. It's a terrible cover. But I love the book. The book is wonderful. I, I'll have to find that and, and get your opinion on it. But um, but yes, I agree. The cover is not ideal. So It's just, it's one of these things, you know, I, it takes a lot for me to get past the cover if I have to buy a book. The nice thing about reviewing is we I don't actually look at the covers before I look at the synopsis and judge based on that. So And this is why I actually don't send the team the covers, because I don't want this reaction to happen from them. I want it to be a, based on the synopsis, rather. <laughs> well, and one thing to point out, too, is that Protector of the Realm, uh, that's, not, that's not a newer book, right? That um, Do you know what happen to know what year? I don't, but it is older and it's actually a lot cheaper because it is older. It's like in the $6 range or something. I know. So you get such an amazing book and, and it's not that expensive. I know. I know. I'm still working on you. I'll convince you someday. Uh, I, I can um, see. <laughs> but it really is. It's, it's also, 
Let's see. It's also available in audio. 2005, in case you wondered. So 2005, that's 15 years sure. old. Um, and, well, and here's the thing. When you have the contemporary romance, you know, the covers for the most part have all been fairly in line with contemporary romance everywhere, not just LGBT. However, science, science fiction and fantasy, you run the gamut in just contemporary science or, uh, you know, non-LGBT with like good to bad covers, right? And I think even more so, you saw a lot of not great covers coming out of science fiction. This is before a lot of the computer-generated images. So when you see a lot of the science fiction and fantasy, they're based on like somebody's like drawing or painting, you know, those covers. And then especially once you get with the even smaller niche, which is the LGBT science fiction and fantasy, you see a lot of these like hand-drawn or hand-painted covers where now you have just beautiful landscapes and images that come out of uh, computer generation. And I think it's really... Um, computer-generated images have really expanded the entire universe. I know it's funny to say that of science fiction and fantasy covers, um, but it's it's so true. They're just gorgeous now. A special um, shout out to May Dorney, who yes. is making huge leaps and bounds in the lesbian sci-fi fantasy sector with her cover designs. It's gorgeous. I have yet to see a design for one of her fantasy or, or, or um, sci-fi books that she's done that I don't want to read. I just because it's beautiful. Absolutely agree. Um, she's put together some a few like promo images where she was combining uh, my books, 3D, you know, backgrounds, all that, just to like that I use as promo. And I always just give her a shout out because she's just phenomenal at what she does. So uh, big props to May Donnie. I think you can find her on May Dorney Designs. Yes. Um, so if, you, if you're looking for cover designs, she actually does some spectacular ones. Yeah, all right. So onward. And, uh, onward. What's next? All right. So we move <laughs> from science fiction to fantasy and from fomance to food, which I also really love in my books. I don't know why. Maybe because I love food. And I like to, I like to cook. Like not... Not like, no, oh, I'm having spaghetti tonight, honey. I like to create when I cook. I like to try new things. Sometimes it comes out great. And sometimes it's like scraping the trash. Well, I'm not going to starve tonight, but that's it. So my next book is Broken Wings by L.J. Baker, which again is an older book. But it is really, it's a different, you could say that it's high fantasy, except, except it reads like you're reading a contemporary book. You have this entire magical world created. You have Rye Woods, um, who is a, a fairy. And so you have this entire, you have a magical world. You have, they live in trees. They use flying carpets. But it reads like it's just our world. Like they go to work. They, you know, traffic is terrible. Your carpet is not working right. I mean, it really, it's a fantasy book and a fantasy world that reads like you're reading a contemporary romance. And I guess... This would also be Celebrity. Rye Woods, it's her and her younger sister. Uh, she's working multiple jobs. It's really a statement on society today. So she's working multiple jobs just to make ends meet, right? And uh, an event at her sister's school. Her sister loves creating tapestries. She's an artist. And she wins a prize. And the prize is given away by a really famous, wealthy artist celebrity. And so she meets, and there's a strong attach- attraction between the two. Except Rye and her sister have a really dark secret, um, and it it eventually comes out in a in like a bad way. But it's a it's a this book was written a lot of years ago, and again it, I would say it's at least ten or fifteen years ago because it was one of the early ones that I found when I was discovering um, science fiction and fantasy. But uh, it's a statement on I guess refugees refugees today and how they're treated, and, you know, when somebody is escaping from a really bad situation. It's also a statement on, uh, I guess, religious, uh, religion and religious refugees as well because of the, the situation where they were, they were located um, and why they ran. And maybe the little sister doesn't know that much. It says as much in the, in the thing. Anyway, so, you know, this Rye, she is, 
obviously deeply attracted to Flora, the celebrity artist, and Flora, the same for her. They develop feelings, but, you know, and even once Flora discovers who she is, um, but, but the past will always catch up with you, right? When you're, when you're a fugitive and that's what happens. So, you know, you just wonder how this is going to work out in the end. And obviously it has an HEA because I wouldn't like it. So <laughs> that's just how I am. I mean, it has a happily ever after. Um, but there's, you know, when you mention books being really multi-layered, and I think this is one of them. It, you have, if you like that fantasy world, you have that fantasy world, but you're reading this and you're reading, it's just like reading, you know, everyday life, the struggles you know, working multiple jobs. But here's the big draw for me. Uh, Rye Woods, who is just a laborer, right? She's trying to put herself through night school to get a better job, but she's working all these terrible labor jobs, you know, building. She's a construction worker. She's doing a couple other side jobs, slinging food in like a fast food restaurant, right? But she is an amazing cook. And, you know, her sister raves about her cooking. And what happens is she ends up cooking dinner for this flora, um, and Flora just drools over it. And she said, Hey, do you think you could cook for a dinner party? And it's, and she gives her the fun. So, so she, she puts together this huge meal and everybody loves it. And they suddenly want her, just this poor laborer to come cook for them. And she's like, I'm not anybody special. Right. And so it's about like, and she's also concerned because she doesn't want to be known. She doesn't want to be famous because she is a fugitive um, and all of that. So it's just really multi-layered and then they're developing feelings and, you know, all of this stuff comes to a head where Flora is pushing her to be her best, knowing that she has this potential with cooking. And what's amazing is when it talks about her cooking, she's using all of these ingredients that absolutely do not exist in the real world. They're all fantasy agreements like tree wart mushrooms and, and, you know, visco fung fungus and and in the sense coming out you know and it's just like i'm listening to this and i'm like i want to eat it i don't know what it is i have no idea but it sounds delicious you know <laughs> so it's just i don't i don't know a better way to describe it but it's i don't know it, it, it takes a lot of boxes for me you know along with being fantasy which is a genre that i happen to enjoy um one thing to note is that uh broken wings is also a less expensive book because it was published in 2006. So, but just to tell you the level of reread on this particular book, Sheena, is that when I wanted to include it in like favorite books and somebody said, well, it has to have, uh, we have to have a, um, a review, a TLR review for it. So I thought, oh yeah, I can do a TLR review. I should probably just like skim through it a little bit, right? Sucked in. 100%. I started reading it and then I didn't put it down for like hours later. And I was like, well, okay, I'm ready for the review now. So like, just <laughs> like that, that's how fast I got sucked into this book because I, I love it so much and I've read it so many times. So that, it was that quick. I know it was that quick. I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna look for some highlights. And then it was just like, nope, I'm just going to read the whole thing right now, right this second. The list came out and I immediately started rereading like shell game and like some of the other books on the list, I've just been kind of working my way through my own rereads list again. And it's just been like coming home to old friends. It's been amazing. <laughs> well, I, I reread this one um, a while ago because we had a different list, which was like our favorite books, uh, like things to read top 100 or something. Um, but I, I didn't even own it on ebook at the time. What I did is I bought it on ebook. Well, then because I bought it, I should probably look inside and then I just... <laughs> You know, one thing leads to another. And next thing you know, you're like clicking the last page button and you're done. You're like, all right, well, now I have it on ebook and paperback. I have some of my favorites that way. So, um, all right. Well, Just obviously a, a, a quick heads up to uh, listeners. If you're going to look for this book, type in L dash J Baker instead of L J Baker, because the, otherwise Amazon won't find it for you. The dash is important. You are correct. However, if you just type in Broken Wings and Baker, it will be the top of the list. So there's a little, well, if that, if that helps, rather than trying to figure out dashes and L's and J's. So 
I just confirmed that for you. All right. So, so Kelly just made it better, which is, is something that Kelly does. You know what? You can say I'm practical, but maybe I'm just lazy, and I like to do things the quickest, easiest, most efficient way as possible. So um, it's both practical and lazy. Anyway, food <laughs> books. So moving on from food fantasy to food and sweet romance, and I know you know what I'm going to say when I say food and sweet romance. No. No. Maybe you haven't reread this one. Starting from scratch by Georgia Beers. Uh, of course. Yes, I actually, I don't know why that didn't occur to me. This was also on Anna's favorite list. And she, uh, available as audiobook, narrated by Georgia Beers herself. I did not know that. Well, that's fun. I mean, I'm not still, I'm still not going to hop the audiobook line, but but I did not know that it was narrated by Georgia. She is a very, very, very nice person and funny. Mm, she's hilarious. I've met her and interacted with her only a couple times, but another good thing about Golden Crown Literary Society. So, um, so starting from scratch, Georgia beers, right? Um, food. The synopsis gives, gives you squat. Um, it's very vague. So anyways, I'll just go to the, um, I'll just go to the TLR, which was written by you, so you know what it says, probably. Um, it's about uh, this Avery and Elena. Um, Elena has uh, a little daughter that plays, uh, what is it? Is it T-ball? Gosh. Son, I think. What? I think what it's a it? son. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It is a son. Sorry about that. So you have Elena, who, who her, her, uh, her son plays T-ball. And Avery's best friend who coaches T-ball, like, and she, like, hurts herself, convinces Avery to come, hey, can you take over this, this coaching, whatever. And so she kind of does it, and she ends up meeting uh, this little boy who's just sweet and his not very nice who she thinks his mother and is. Um, and, uh, and then she sees this boy, like, in her backyard, like, petting her dog, like, in a different juncture, and it's the same boy. And she's like, you know, where's your mom? Cause she wants to stay away from the mom she met at the game. Uh, who is kind of skeezy. If you, if you want my opinion, she's a little skeezy and a, and a bitch, but anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so, and then she discovers a different mom, uh, who is the hot bank lady. Right. Am I right there? Mm -hmm. That's yes. right. Yes. So, Avery learns that, uh, his other mom is this Elena who is her hot bank lady crush. Um, she goes to the bank just to see the hot lady there. And it, and it is this other woman. Um, so they kind of, you know, meet and get to know each other. Uh, they like each other. One of the things that in the book is you have, uh, Avery, I believe it's her grandmother, right? Yes. Her grandmother taught her to bake and she's always making baked goods. It's like, it's like her personal therapy. Avery's personal therapy is to make baked goods. If she's happy, if she's sad, this is how she gets through things. So she's always making baked goods. There is some, some drama. There is some tragedy, but I love, I love the fact that it talks through her making these baked goods. Like, again, I don't, I don't know why I like food. Yes. I don't know why I like the food books, but I like listening to their process. I like reading, you know, what they're making and, and how it comes out. And, and, and especially if you have a good author that can write those descriptions about how, how the warmth of a muffin and it's, and it's fluffy and it's moist and it's rich and chocolatey. And it's worth noting just for the listeners who picked this up and were concerned, the two mothers are split up. So it isn't a, a cheating book. No, not at all. But you have that other mother that's, you know. Sort of on the sidelines and skeezy, yes. And skeezy. <laughs> but it is a beautifully written book. I love the way Georgia Beers writes dogs as well. Yes, she, well, I mean, and she has a dog. Like, dog or dogs. She has. She's a pet owner and a dog lover. And it really shows when you have an author that is all of those things. Because they just know how to write personality into the pets. If you've never had a pet before, you don't necessarily know how to write their weird, quirky, unique personalities. So, Pets are people too. Pets are people too. They're hairy and smelly 
and they lick themselves, but they're people. Completely. Do you have more um, on your list? I have you do. All, of them? all right. Oh, you another... do have. You've got at least one. Two. <laughs> okay. Two. Cool. All right. We'll we'll go through these quick. All right. One is probably. I understand that this is like a lot of people's favorite book and probably a lot of people's reread. Um, it's so popular that I I I got a sense of like. Not this one again. What I asked um, Radcliffe to sign it for me at my first GCLS. You know when you have a popular singer and everybody's like, <laughs> play Freebird. And they're like, oh, I'm so <laughs> sick of playing Freebird. Everybody asks me to play Freebird, right? So I got the sense that Faded Love is Radcliffe's Freebird. Like, like yes, yes, Faded Love's your favorite book. Blah, blah, blah. Let me sign it for you, right? I don't know. Radcliffe is awesome. She, Did you know I've written like 30-something other books? Right. <laughs> exactly. But everybody keeps coming back to this one, you know? Uh, but she's great. And she's always really, like, uh, kind when you ask her to. to... She absolutely is, yes. Um, and she's she's done major things for the lesbian community in general, uh, she's just a, a complete like force of nature. But yes, this book, um, I think because I started reading lesfic after jumping out, after initially starting in uh, fan fiction. So I discovered fan fiction, uh, Xena fan fiction, actually before I watched the show. I hadn't even watched the show. I stumbled into it. And then from the Xena fan fiction, I went to Xena uber fiction, which is taking those characters into a contemporary setting. So now they're doctors or one is a rancher and the other one is a farmhand, right? So this uber thing, and maybe if you don't read fan fiction, you might not quite understand it, but you maybe you love the character, but you want to see them doing other things. So uberfic was actually started and coined from the Xenaverse when they did a show hop where the characters were in the future as their future selves. But anyways, I've discovered a lot of my favorite authors now through fan fiction because they originally wrote fan fiction. And then some of the, my favorite books were altered slightly and published as contemporary fiction. And, and Radcliffe absolutely got like, was in on that. Her characters, you see it in every single, it's, it's like a tribute almost. Um, and this had those characters, but it also had the it, faded love is in my category faded love. Like it's its own category, right? You, you know what I'm saying? You know, when you have, when you have these romance novels where these characters were supposed to be together, their love was faded. I mean, how perfectly titled is this book? Like you have these two that, you know, maybe you shouldn't like, you don't, they shouldn't be together. They don't think they should be together, but they should be together. And I don't know, there's just something so sweet about this book, about these characters, about, about the story in general and, and the chance for, you know, the chance for love, or maybe you don't think that you have that chance, the chance for redemption of finding something that you thought you had lost. And that's kind of how it is for both characters. See, see, look at me not giving spoilers. Um, even though everybody in the universe probably has read the book. But you have Quinn, Quinn, Quinn McGuire, who is a, like a young trauma surgeon, and she's amazing, right? And she transfers to this like maybe smaller hospital. And her boss, Honor Blake, is the, uh, is the, uh, like the ER, like the head of this, of that area, right? And so she's working in ER, but not surgery. And that's right there, maybe a, a mystery. Like, why is this promising surgeon not actually working in surgery, but working as a doctor in the ER? And, and of course, you know, there's attraction between the two. And of course the one tries to fight it all the way, but Quinn, I love Quinn. She is just, she's so real and honest and out there. And she's like, I like you and I'm not going to hide it. And, you know, and you know, and they're both dealing with their own issues and, and stuff that's going on. But I just absolutely adore this book and, and the feeling that it leaves me every time I read it, hands down, it's one of the best ones. And I, that's why I have to reread it again and again. This book is amazing. What I love, uh, this book and um, Tomorrow's Promise for me is, is similar in terms of the 
restlessness that the one-man character has, this sort of inner turmoil that doesn't let them sleep properly, that doesn't let them, you know, find any kind of peace. And I just love that. That's one of my go-tos for sure. I, I, I see that. I do see that. And part of the story itself is to put the restlessness away, is to resolve that, you know, and it's it's helping one woman find what she thought she lost and one woman move on from what she lost. And they find that together. I, I love that you, you have this, you know, this faded love, which is, you know, it's meant to be, it's going to be, Essentially, nothing can rip it asunder. It has to happen. Uh, it's irresistible. And I think absolutely that's that's what I love about it. Like some things are just, they have to happen. I like that it's solid. I don't necessarily like books where, you know, that have breakups. I really hate books that have breakups. I, I just don't. I just don't like it. Um, and I don't like books with cheating. And I think... This type of book is on the opposite sort of spectrum where nothing, once you get two people together like a magnet, nothing can pull them apart. Yeah, I I get that. This book is uh, also available on audio and it's narrated by the fabulous Abby Craden. So if you have not read it, consider the audiobook. Abby Craden is a legend. I have heard the name a lot, despite not listening to audiobooks. All right, you have a final book for us. I do, I do. Okay, so my final book, which is Romancing the Zone by Kenna White. And can I say that Kenna White was my one of my absolute favorite people to meet at the Golden Crown Literary Society. She is the sweetest, sweetest woman. And a funny story, I, I brought her book, I brought her book the last two years, uh, Romancing the Zone, this one, because this is, Still, when I bought paperback books, so it was really early on, I'd actually get my books from like, we had a brick and mortar store that had LGBT books. And so I brought it two years ago, my first year, 2018. And every time like, I'm like, oh, I saw her, but I didn't have the book with me. And then I have the book with me, but I would never see her. And somebody's like, you just got to carry them around all the time. And I'm like, no, it's a lot of books. So I missed out on a lot of signatures the first year. Um, and then last year I had the book and I saw her and I'm like, I have the book. I need to go get it. Are you going to be here? And so she was there. So I got the book and I brought it down and it was so adorable watching her. She looks at this book cause it's older. Right. And she's like, Oh, and then she opens it and she's like, this person right here was blah, blah, blah. And Oh, yep. Do you remember so-and-so? And she's talking to one of the other ladies, you know, and she's like, and this person, they went on to, you know, so it was like, old home week going through this paperback and then she signs it for me but it was just she's so sweet and she's such a wonderful woman um i just i absolutely loved finally getting my book signed by her just for that reason alone um so here i like sports uh sports romances and i don't know why again i don't really know why i like the contemporary tropes that i do i have played sports. I've played a variety of sports. I play no sports now. I broke myself playing sports. So, but I do like a sports romance. And what's funny is I hate watching sports. Hate it. I hate it. I don't like watching football or basketball or tennis or hockey. The only exception to my rule is the Olympics. And it's like bobsledding. I don't know anything about it, but this is wonderful. You know, like I just hate watching sports. I'm not sportsy. <laughs> I'm not sportsy uh, that way. I've never liked watching. I like playing. I like doing. I don't like watching. So, But I love reading sports romance. And I learn a lot about sports from doing that. So when I used to hang out with like all my friends and they're like, oh, the women's basketball game, blah, blah, blah. You know, you come. And I'm like, there's snacks? Sure, I'll come. You know? And so, you know, we're watching the sports. And I'm like, it was, it was basketball. And I, I like yelled out something. It was like, you know, why are they, why are they playing, you know, why aren't they playing man on defense, blah, blah, blah. And like, all of them looked at me and they're like, how do you know about that? And I'm like, well, I read a lot of sports romance books. So like, I read about sports, like how to play and the tactics and the strategy. 
I don't like to watch it. I don't have to watch it. I can read a book and glean the information just fine. But I appreciate when an author puts a lot of research into what they're writing about so that I don't feel like an idiot spouting off something that, like, you don't even watch, you know. So anyway, all right, moving along. Sports romance. Um, Romancing the Zone by Kenna White. So you have a you have Liz Elliott. Uh, she's almost 40. She's a single mother. She's got a 19-year-old daughter, right? Her daughter is a freshman at this uh, Ashton, which is Vermont's Chilton College. Uh, her daughter plays basketball. She's a rising star for the Lady Stingers, right? And her mother, you know, 22, 20 years ago, she was also a rising basketball star for the same team. And something ends up happening, you know, 20 years before, and... It was, you know, and she's kept this a secret all this time, but something happened. She never finished her last year of eligibility or whatever for the basketball team. So what happens is her daughter, uh, her daughter, Becca, she ends up like breaking her leg. She's kind of going through this, this, uh, rebellious phase, even though she's only 19 and her mom, her mother's like, you know, please, you know, just whatever. So her daughter comes up with a harebrained idea. She's like, you need to go back to school. And she's like, you should play your last year of eligibility. You're fit. You're, you, you run every day. You know, you're in excellent condition. She's like, I'm almost 40. So anyways, her daughter, Becca ends up challenging her to return to college, complete her degree, as well as play that last year of eligibility for basketball. Right? So she meets resistance on this from the head coach, Sheridan Ross. And she's like, you know, I don't really want this 40-year-old over-the-hill athlete playing on my basketball team. The, the, the school is all about it because it's like essentially a publicity stunt to them. They want more people coming to their games, right? So, so Sheridan doesn't really have a choice but to let this woman play. Well, she turns out to be really, she's really good. And why she might not have the uh, endurance that some of the younger players have, uh, she has a natural leading ability. She runs her own business. You know, she's 40. She turns into an excellent leader for this team, like a team leader. Um, but there's this immediate, like, there's sparks between her and the coach. There's also attraction between her and the coach. So, you know, you, you, have, you have this that's going on. And meanwhile, this small school was originally in, like, just Sheridan's, you know, initial plan, right? Every, every coach has dreams of coaching the big 10 or whatever. So you have this side thing going on at the same time that you have maybe Liz's past catching up to her. Um, you know, that's going to bring, uh, these secrets into the light that she's been hiding for, you know, 20 years or so. Um, it's a bit of a thriller near the end, I think, but it's just the, the descriptions of the basketball uh, the romance that happens, all the decisions uh, in this, uh, it's just really well put together. It's it's well written. I, I love this, the romance of it. I, I love the way it ends. Um, and I would say that uh, Kenna, Kenna White, she just does a great job of writing a good, solid sports romance. With And, and I believe this one is, I want to say some of these are, are older. Um yeah, I think this one is older as well. Which and is I nice this because, yeah. This is also on, I don't know if it's on Anna's reread list, but it's a highly recommended book by her. It made the top 10 sports romances on the cheated list. I think this is one that a couple of us had like all agreed on. This is a 2006 as well. Um, so... But yes, this is this is a very um, very good sports romance. I've read some of uh, Kenna White's other stuff, and this is by far my favorite because it, it's one of the you know again with other authors you can read something you absolutely love and maybe their other stuff doesn't hit those tropes. And I don't like all contemporary romance, but I am drawn to those certain tropes um, more than other tropes. I would say that you know one thing to note is the, the reread list that we have, um, that we put together at TLR. It is just stuff that, um, it is just stuff that, that, uh, we have reviews for. And some of the books we don't necessarily have reviews for that I have as rereads. Um, 
And I would say my one of my top reread books um, that we don't have a review for because it's older. And I haven't reread it in years, but I've read it like probably 10 or 12 times, which is The Growing, right? I know. You're like, I'm sick of you talking about The Growing. Um, have but you I, just added another one? Have you snuck in no, another no, two, thing to two. But no, let me, I, I'm only, I'm only adding these two. I'm adding these two for one reason, because the growing by Suzanne M. Beck and Okasha Skatsi, um, it's my favorite. It's dystopian. It's faded love. It's magic. It's sci-fi. It's and, Android robots, right? It's everything, everything all in one big, massive book. It's not for everybody. It's a huge book. And it's also really hard to get. So I'm bringing this up for a reason. My favorite sports book of all time that I have reread so many times was never published. And it is also by Suzanne M. Beck. And it was supposed to get published. Her and T. Novin were going to re-release it and were actually going to publish it. They were working on it. Sadly, Suzanne M. Beck passed away. So I don't think we will ever see Driven in print. And that is by far my favorite sports romance of all time. That, that is sad. And But now on a happier note, so you've just released a book called Children of the Stars. Tell us about it. Essentially, you know, another thing I love reading about is superhero books. And it's hard to find ones. Like I read a few and some of them are really dark and some of them are really well done. I, I did a review on one that I absolutely adored and I've reread it multiple times. And I don't know why I didn't put that on the list, but I have also reread this other book multiple times. So... It's funny what you think of after the fact, right? Um, but anyway, so I love the superhero idea. And I thought, oh, I want to write a superhero book. I want to jump on that bandwagon, right? Not because like, oh, I want to cash in on sales because sci-fi. It's not like a huge seller. But just stuff that I love, I want to write. I like to write what I like to read. And so I thought, well, I want to jump on the bandwagon. And then I decided I'm going to write just a mostly romance book. I want to write a soulmate book because I wanted to write about soulmates. At the time that I conceived of this idea, I had been reading a lot of soulmate fan fiction. And uh, so I thought, oh, I want to write a soulmate book. I'm going to write a book that's like, you know, 80% romance this time. I'm going to do it in and, and like 10, 10 or 20% action. Okay? I'm going to do this. So <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> I wrote a book that was like 60 to 70% action. And like the rest, the last, the rest was romance. Um, I don't know. Do you want the, do you want the blurb? Yes. Tell us about it. Okay. So children of the stars, the world was forever changed when a government genetic experiment created the chromadex from a dead alien in 1952. Decades later, when it became apparent that society needed a way to deal with the hybrid humans of unheard powers, the core CORP was created. The chromadex office of restraint and protection was a government police agency formed to keep track of the chromadex this particular tale involves two refugees young babies who were sent down to earth to escape being used as pawns in an interplanetary war despite the fact that earth itself wasn't so safe destined to be Kasarana, or soulmates as the humans called it amari la sierra del rey and zendara Iniri bantor would grow to be more powerful than any other beings on the planet if they could find each other first after being forced to hide from the core when it's realized their powers could level entire cities, Amari and Zen will have to answer one question. Who will save the world when it all falls apart? Nice. So it's different. There is a narrator voice throughout the book uh, in a different font because it's a narrator voice. It's just every time I write something, I do something slightly different. Like, I don't know. I try new things. Um, but this one starts in the 50s and it continues to current day, but it follows these two women as they try to find each other. And then events are set off that just a lot of action. But there is definite, there is definitely romance because as soulmates, they are connected. So they feel each other. Uh, but they don't know who the other person is and they're trying to find each other. It's hard to explain. Okay. Well, sounds really interesting. Um, so pick that up now at, and we will add a link in the show notes. 
Kelly, where can people find you online if they've decided you are the most awesome person and they want you to recommend tons of books for them? <laughs> you can find me on Amazon um, under K period A-T-E-N, K-A-T-E-N. You can find me on, you just, you know what, type a Google search because I'm going to come up. Uh, Amazon, uh, I'm on Bella Books. The, the newest one won't release on Bella Books until release day. That's just how they do it. But my publisher works with Bella Books. So I'm on Bella Books. I'm on Nook. Um, I'm on, is that, is Nook? Nook is Barnes and Noble, right? Um, Kobo, right? Uh, you can go to my publisher's re- website, which is, uh, regalcrest.biz. If you want to just find me and, and look at all the stupid stuff that I post on my website, you can go to my website, which is katen-author, k-a-t-e-n-author.com. Or find me on Facebook. Do a search again for katen. You'll find me. I'm, I'm everywhere. My Twitter handle is wordnerd, w-o-r-d-n-r-d, word n-r-d 68. And I will add links in the show notes to, you know, some of those places. <laughs> so you can find, find Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. Thank you for having me on. You know, I'm always, uh, I love talking about books that I love. So I think that's why we're always here is because we love talking about books we love. So it's nice to find people like some of our mutual books. It's nice to find fellow fangirls. So it's totally true. Thank you for tuning into the special TLR podcast series where we have been chatting about our favorite rereads. Please make sure to use our buy links for Amazon or become a patron. Using our buy links gives us a small commission on purchases you make on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking the link. Becoming a patron means you get exclusive content. Go to patreon.com slash the lesbian review for more.